What we do in life echoes in eternity. You will once again be fighting for our freedom, not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. From the WSFI studio in Libertyville, Illinois, this is Pro-Life Today with your host, Joe Scheidler. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pro-Life Today. This is WSFI, that's 88.5 FM, Catholic Radio. I'm your host, Joe Scheidler, with my wife, Ann Scheidler, here in the studio. Hello. And today, my guest is Dr. Grazi Pozo Christi. Dr. Christie is a policy advisor for the Catholic Association. She writes and speaks in both Spanish and English, all about Catholicism, religious freedom, the intersection of faith and science. She's Hispanic and brings a special focus on social issues that affect the growing Latino population, such as the state of the family and the real needs of poor and marginalized people. As a physician, she's able to address complex subjects relating to government health policy and the impact on people it purports to help. Her writings have appeared in USA Today, CNN, National Review, Fox News, US News and World Report, New York Times, and on and on. In 2014, Dr. Christie traveled to Rome to cover the Synod of the Family, and she told us about the progress that it shows, and I was a featured speaker at the National March for Life in January of 2015, where she spoke about prenatal diagnosis. Dr. Christie grew up in Guadalajara, Mexico, came to the United States at the age of 11. She's a graduate of Columbia University and the University of Miami, and she's in Miami right now, the Miami School of Medicine, practices radiology in the Miami area, where she lives with her husband and five children. Welcome to the program, Dr. Christie. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's a great pleasure. Now, my wife, Anne, is going to lead us off here with uh, subjects that, that we're very interested in your talking about. Well, of course, our focus is on the life issues, and the medical profession is so wrapped up in, in the life issues, since their whole purpose is, is preserving life and helping people live healthy lives. And it, it seems that in the past few years, there's been a kind of an assault on the real authentic practice of medicine by government entities trying to dictate that medical professionals have to get involved in ending life at one end or another. It's abortion or it's euthanasia. What is your take on, on what's happened to the medical profession in modern days? Well, the medical profession, I think we can say that classically it was a Hippocratic, we call it Hippocratic medicine, where the, the first purpose is to preserve life, to do no harm to the patient, to elevate the quality of the patient's life, prolong the patient's life, never to take a life, whether the life is a fetal life, a preborn life, never to take the life of someone because they ask us or because someone else asks us to do it. Those were all parts of the Hippocratic Oath. Medicine now has become infected by a modern ideology that sees healthcare as a kind of an extension of, of sort of a, a personal choice so that the patient's choice becomes what the patient needs, not what is classically understood as the patient's health, if that makes sense. So there's been a huge philosoph a philosophical shift to where the doctor has become, instead of someone that is, is someone fulfilling their vocation to do these things, to make the patient healthier, prolong the patient's life, 
comfort the patient on their way to death. Instead of that, the doctor is sort of a deliverer of certain services that the patient is allowed to decide what they are and, and when they're supposed to get them. So this is the philosophical change that's happened in healthcare, and what we see in the government is the government stepping in to make that philosophical change sort of cemented into, into our life as, as physicians, as doctors, as nurses. What do you think actually started that ball rolling? Well, I guess it's the whole, I mean, we'd have to talk about philosophy, like the enlightenment. Um, it's pretty complicated. Huh? It is. <laughs> it's a complicated topic, but I think it's the idea that a, a good life is, is, is a life where, the, where one fulfills one's desires and is pleased all the time. And if you see it that way, sort of a personal, sort of radical individualism and radical radical fulfillment all the time of one's choices and one's desires. Yeah, so I think that's translated into medicine in a very malignant way. So do you think there are fewer and fewer people being drawn into the medical profession who have the traditional philosophy, who, who would want to what is best for the patient regard, instead of whatever the patient, patient wants? What I think is happening is young people are going into medicine with that same vocational desire to serve our neighbor in the most intimate way, which is medical. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe not as intimate as spiritual, but almost as intimate. And, and that what they're encountering is in medical school, more and more they're being indoctrinated to think of medicine in, in this more modern ideological way that is not what their, their vocation is calling them to. A friend of ours, their son was just—he just started medical school this week, and they had a swearing-in ceremony. And and I was sorry to hear what was in the because they didn't use the Hippocratic oath. No. They used a more sort of a sort of a fuzzy a fuzzy ethical <laughs> sort of sort of devoid of ethics kind of oath. It was very sad to hear. Well, you know, doctor, some years ago they took the part out about I don't will not give a pessary to cause an abortion, they, and there's another reference to abortion in the Hippocratic Oath. We attended the graduating class, and we we got a copy of the program, and made an exact copy. Only put the words back in, and then when the entire class was reading the oath, half of them had our copy that had the that they would not give an instrument to cause an abortion and the others didn't have it and the whole thing got garbled but it did bring bring into the consciousness of everybody there that the oath had been changed since abortion had become the law of the land and it, it was just a, a, a reminder the direction we're going that, that is a wonderful thing. I, I really congratulate you on doing that. <laughs> it was it was kind of a, a tricky thing to do because we had to be handing out our program right across from the official program. But the idea was to to have it split like that so that it would it would concentrate on that particular clause that was left out. We didn't get too many congratulations for that, but it did bring bring home what is happening to our country. There's another clause in the Hippocratic Oath, which right. I'm sure has been left out already from these ceremonies, is I will never go to someone's house and take the life of either the, the master who's called me or, the, or, the, or a slave. Right. What oh. an amazing turnaround. I mean, these are people, the people who wrote this oath, were, these were pre-Christians, and they had higher ethics than we do now in this, what we sadly call a post-Christian era. Yeah, we should be right. ashamed. 
way back, Hippocrates, Mabiades, and so on, people that just had a natural law, but they, they knew the value of life. And we've yeah. lost it. And they could see where the abuse comes in if, if a person doesn't treat, uh, they could understand how just by natural law, by, na by a natural understanding, that there are horrible instances of abuse that will take place if there is not a firm understanding of human dignity and the respect that doctors have to have for every human being in their care. It's so frightening now to see the trend toward assisted suicide. And in some ways, that's almost more sinister than abortion because you're attacking people who already have problems with their own worth and their own value, and now they're being urged to, to do away with themselves. And then we're, doctors are being asked to support this sort of thing. I mean, this, who would have thought it would have gotten this bad so soon? But I, I think the whole abortion mentality, the devaluing of human life at any stage devalues it at every stage. Having abortion be legal in our country has affected all of us in terrible, insidious ways. The way we, we relate to each other, the way in the way we form relationships, the way the way men and women relate to each other, but also, like you say, the way we have learned to value life so cheaply uh, as as a simple choice. And it and I'm not surprised that it's turning up at the other end of life. In California, they've recently opened the first death clinic. There, it's it's a place where people can go and have themselves exterminated. And they call it a medical, a kind of medical clinic. And this, that's just tragic. Flies in the face just tragic. Of, isn't that frightening? Because, you know, so many, so many people, when they get old and they get needy and they have all kind of medical problems, they're not feeling being very valuable to society at all. And then to have, be urged to do away with yourself, some people are going to feel it's almost an obligation. And yet the value of life is there to the last moment of life. It's just, it's such a, a twisted thinking, and yet it's becoming so common. Don't you think, too, that the violence that we're seeing so much more of, we're here in Chicago where we keep on making headlines because of the high rate of shooting deaths and, and mortality in some of our neighborhoods where life is just not valued hardly at all. One, one of our sidewalk counselors went down to Cook County Pub Hospital to the, the ward where they do the abortions, and she tried to talk to the women who were in the waiting room there, waiting for their turn to have an abortion, and trying to appeal to them. This was a black counselor speaking with African-American women, and their response was, well, what difference does it make? Kill them now. They're going to be shot later anyway. Just such a hopeless kind oh. of an attitude toward their life and their future and the value of the children that they're carrying. It's, it's tragic that anyone should should feel that way, that they live in an environment that fosters that hopelessness. It's shocking. The whole gang mentality. I mean, years ago I worked for the city of Chicago and we tried to work with the gangs and things were bad then, but now everybody has a gun. There's nothing, nothing to shooting someone down the street and, and something like 92% or so of these, these shootings are never solved. They never find who did it. And so it's just become a commonplace thing, the death in, in the various neighborhoods. We have to take a short break right here. 
And so we'll be right back. This is Pro-Life Today. I'm Joe Scheidler with my wife, Ann Scheidler. And we'll be back to continue our conversation with Dr. Grazi Pozo Christie, who is on the phone with us from Miami, Florida, and going to be talking more about the conditions in our society today. So this is WSFI FM 88.5 Catholic Radio. Stay tuned. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hello, my name is Lynn Mills and I'm from Pro-Life Detroit of the Greater Detroit area in Michigan. And Catholic Radio is important because they keep us informed on the relevant things going on today. In fact, Catholic Radio should be renamed Pro-Life Radio because... They do so much for the movement. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Listen at 7 o'clock p.m. every Tuesday to WSFI Spotlight, a half-hour conversation with outstanding Catholics from our community and around the world. WSFI Spotlight re-airs on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. or listen on demand anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit wsfiradio.org for more information. It's WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Only on WSFI Catholic Radio, Tuesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Hello, I'm Joe Scheidler, and this is Pro-Life Today. We're going to continue with our interview with Dr. Grazi Pozo Christie from Miami, Florida. She's a member of the advisory board of TCA, the Catholic Association. And we're talking about conditions in our country today, moral conditions, the abortion, euthanasia, and so on. And you wanted to ask Dr. Christie about her trip to Rome over the, the Senate of, on the family. Yeah, I'd be very interested in hearing what what you learned there, who else you spoke with there, and and how the family is going to fare as we <laughs> move further and further into the 21st century. Well, I was very fortunate to go twice. The first in 2015, and I mean 2014, and then 2015, which was a wonderful time. 
my my first time in Rome, Rome in that in that capacity, and it was it was spectacular to see the entire church, which represents over a billion people in the in the world, dedicated to examining the state of the family and how the the church can accompany the family and help it to grow stronger and and more what God wants it to be in the future. The family is is facing so many problems now. I I think we're most conscious of it, of course, in the United States, but it seems like just such a challenge to remain a Christian family in the culture that, that, that we live in. Of course, Joe and I are both in our senior years, so we grew up in a time when it, the, the family was the bedrock of, of society, and everybody understood that to mean a mother and a father, man and a woman, and their children. And now that's just all kind of thrown into uh, the winds, and a family can be about anything. How, how do you think we can restore that integrity of the family? I think what's very important is to to make sure how that we understand and that that we make understood to everybody, whoever, whatever our influence circle or circle of influence is, that like you say, the, the the family is the bedrock. And and you were talking about these problems in Chicago and where we have violence, where there's no where the family is not strong, nothing goes well. Nothing goes well when when a family is not able to to raise the children, inform them. Properly, you can't even have a good country with with proper citizens if, if children aren't being raised in 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 ways that are going to to make them into virtuous adults. So the family it has not decreased in importance as we enter these modern times where the government can t- has sort of taken over lots of its functions. On the contrary, the fa- the family is becoming even more important. And we have to just make sure that that we we emphasize that in our churches and our or spheres of influence, as you say. Yeah, and we have to be very confident about the Christian version of family, the Christian, the truth of, of that, that the church proposes, that ch- the, the church promotes about family. Family is an anthropological reality that, that, that begins when a man and a woman fall in love and they create a family because they love each other and that love turns into children that they love together. And this is the anthropological reality that the church has elevated to a sacrament by by injecting God into the midst of that couple and giving them the graces that they need to to form a beautiful family that that will grow for generations. So we have to be very proud of that. I know these days we feel very careful about what we say. We're at a dinner party or we're speaking with our our neighbors and we're very careful about family because there's so many different versions of that idea. But the Christian truth is the beautiful truth, the real truth. And, and it's best for men and women the way that God proposes us to form our families. Yeah, I guess we just need not to be intimidated by the preponderance of media, et cetera, around us that, that tries to keep us silent. So, we, we Right, because we are offering, we are proposing what's good for people. It's not, it's not just a choice. It's what's beautiful for them. Yeah, it's what's best for them. That's right. Now, you were a featured speaker at the National March for Life in Washington, D.C., and I noticed that you spoke about prenatal diagnosis. This is particularly poignant for Joe and me right now because our youngest daughter just lost a baby that had been diagnosed with trisomy 18, and the baby lived to be about 19 weeks in utero, and then the baby's heart stopped, and 
and it was a little boy that, that we lost. And it was a very, very difficult time. And you wonder whether you even want to know if there is a problem while well, you can't see that baby yet, if you shouldn't maybe stay in blissful ignorance about the status of the baby. Yeah, we wish, we really wish that I, that Sarah had not had the to test because everybody was so happy and we were delighted. We, we were calling little baby Poppy because when she found out about it, she was planting a poppy seed and she said, Poppy's just this big. And it was a very happy time. And then she, she was offered a test to see if the baby had any problems and that's when they found this out. So we had a number of weeks there with this serious, serious suffering of the trisomy 18. Everybody started looking up what it was and what it did to the baby and everything. And then the chance the baby had of being born and with, with these, this deformity and so on. And she did lose it last week, and, and, but that's our grandchild. We love this little boy. And, but it's a, it's a sadness that, that was hard to take, and we almost wish she had not known about it. What do you think about that? If you, should a person find out during the middle of a pregnancy or wait till nature takes its course? Well, sometimes there are interventions that can be made before the baby's born or preparations that can be made to receive the baby in a, in a better way mm -hmm. if you know that the baby is going to have some special needs. All right. So that's, that's why I think would be the right reason to know. But unfortunately, 90 or maybe more percent of the time, people want to know and doctors, unfortunately, OBs, push their patients to, to know these things so that they can give them the chance to abort. And this is where that horrible the horrible use of prenatal diagnosis comes in because right. it's prenatal diagnosis with the intent to abort, which sort is a Sort of a search really and destroy mission right. as opposed to a be prepared mission. Yeah, disability rights activists, advocates are, are, are so distressed that in this time and age when uh, people with disabilities have achieved so much, they're, they're so much a wonderful part of society, they can do so much, they can participate in so many ways, and, and their civil rights have been advanced in so many ways, yet it seems like the whole world is intent on destroying them before they're even born. I yeah, know, they true. don't have a chance. And, and sometimes they're perfect babies. It's just, it's just the, the whole abortion thing. Now, I don't know if they ever suggested abortion to oh, Sarah. They didn't. I, don't, I don't think they did. She actually I, lives in London, so I was a little surprised because it's such a secular culture that that wasn't something they that they proposed to her. But no, they, so that was, I was delighted to, to find that. They seemed to just treat her through this difficult time and give her information and Could and be um, here in the United States, I can tell you from a medical perspective that the doctor can be held legally responsible for a baby that's born with disabilities if he doesn't propose an abortion. Yes, yeah. I've heard that. And isn't that a terrible thing that, that a, a parent would, would sue a doctor for the fact that their but child you, has you, problems? It's, it's a horrifying thing to think of, but it's true. It, it creates a culture in, in obstetrics where it's safer to propose an abortion than to help a baby with, who might not even be disabled get to get to birth yeah, because yeah. people are actually scared of being sued. Now, a doctor can't be sued for proposing an abortion for a baby that would have been healthy. Like, that can't happen. Well, that doesn't no. seem right, does it? <laughs> no, it's completely illogical. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's Puts the, the baby at a real disabilities. disadvantage. 
-hmm. And then maybe in England, there's I don't think they have a legal system the way we do with constant lawsuits. Maybe that doesn't yeah. exist, so that may not they be don't so feel much. that responsibility to insist on abortion. When you spoke about prenatal diagnosis at the January National March for Life, I think we missed that. Were you speaking at their banquet, or was that? I I at spoke the at the in the in the big rally in, in the, the big in rally, the, but oh, that was in twenty. 2015. Well, then we heard you. I spoke at a banquet. <laughs> we must have heard you because we always go to the rallies. <laughs> what, <laughs> what was your major slant there at the rally? I know you didn't have a lot of time, but. I was, well, I, I talked about, I had written an op-ed that was, it was printed on CN, in CNN, of all things, <laughs> uh -huh. the couple of days before the march, which was wonderful. Many, many millions of people saw it talking about how I had received a phone call about I, I read I do fetal ultrasounds is one of the things that I do for my for my work and I got a phone call from a doctor saying that a baby that I had done an ultrasound on had been born with a cleft lip and palate and I said well let me check the images I looked at the images and I said well I we didn't see that on the ultrasound maybe it was too early and I said well what's the problem and he said, well, the parents are very angry because they would have aborted her if they had known oh. she had a cleft lip. And that's all that was wrong with her? That was all that was oh, wrong with the, the poor baby. Oh. With the darling baby. The poor baby didn't, didn't perform well enough and for her parents. that's such an easy operation, really. <laughs> and I was so shocked and saddened oh. that I wrote that op-ed. And, and I'm 100% sure that once the parents got over the shock, they're probably incredibly ashamed and they will be all their lives to think that their little darling, their angel that they adore, because I'm sure they adore her, yeah. that they could have considered her faulty or defective just because she had a little space that shouldn't be on her lip. That's sad that a, so tiny a child has to meet standards that make her acceptable. We watched that ad for Cleft Lip oh. and it's, it's on constantly and it has the children singing. And it, they're beautiful, beautiful children, and they show them with the, with the facial deformity. And then later, when they've had their operation, and they look perfect. I mean, but it's so sad. You it's a wonderful it's thing what medicine can do to, to help people's lives and to enhance life. But and unfortunately, then, medicine is so good that people have become incapable of accepting irregularities and accepting pain and accept, accepting th they think that everything can be magically solved so yeah. people I think used to I know when I was younger when I was a little girl w there were many people around who had different disabilities and I we don't see them very much anymore no we don't and, no. and I and I think it's very diff it's very hard on cult on the culture because it, it creates this idea of everybody has to be a superman or a superwoman right. and, and every, nothing else is, is good enough. Well, isn't it something like nine out of 10 Down syndrome babies will be aborted? And these are beautiful people. It's just... I'm terrified every time I open a, a new fetal ultrasound case and I see, I see this all, every week at least, I see to evaluate for Down syndrome. Yeah. And it's terrifying because I really don't want to say there might be Down syndrome because it terrifies me for the baby. Well, Doctor, that's all the time we've got for today, but I want to thank you again. That's Dr. Grazi Pozo Christi, Miami, Florida. Join us next week on Pro-Life Today. Until then, for all of us at WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, I'm Joe Scheider with my wife, Anne. Thanks for listening. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI local programming on demand? 
full episodes of Pro-Life Today, WSFI Spotlight, Healing the Whole Person, Bursting Forth in Sound, along with our novenas, prayers, and devotions, are available on your mobile device or online. For iPhone and iPad users, open the already installed podcast app and search for WSFI. Then click subscribe. Android users need to visit the Google Play Store, download the Stitcher app, create a free account, then search for WSFI. Add us to your favorites playlist by clicking the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. The full archive of local shows is also available at WSFIRadio.org. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states.